Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 118 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, singer James Labrie from Dream Theater, I wanted to give you some details on Nick Mason's upcoming Saucer Full of Secrets tour. The tour kicks off in Boston on September 22nd at the Schubert Theater, and there's a second New England date at the Providence Center for the Performing Arts in Providence, Rhode Island on September 25th. Tickets are on sale right now at saucerfullofsecrets.com. Or you could just click the link in the show notes of this episode. And here on the Mistress Carrie podcast and on the Pantheon Podcast Network, we're giving away an exclusive VIP experience to see Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. You can enter to get front row seat upgrades. Head to pantheonpodcast.com slash Nick Mason, find the link in the show description of this episode, or head over to the Pantheon Podcast social media pages to enter to win a pair of front row tickets, one very special commemorative guitar pick shaped necklace carved down from drum cymbals played by Nick Mason himself, a selection of curated exclusive VIP merchandise, a commemorative VIP laminate and lanyard, crowd-free shopping at a dedicated merchandise stand before the show, and a bunch of on-site perks like priority check-in, VIP express lane at the venue, and a dedicated customer service line. It's seriously the rock star treatment. You can enter right now to win. The link to buy your tickets to the Nick Mason Saucer Full of Secrets Tour and the link to enter the Pantheon Podcast VIP Experience Contest are both in the show notes of this episode. This week, my guest is three-time Grammy nominee and finally Grammy Award-winning singer James Labrie from Dream Theater. Earlier this year, James released his fourth solo album, Beautiful Shade of Grey. And as Dream Theater was preparing to head to South America on tour, I sat down to talk to James about a lot of stuff. His musical influences and upbringing, going from being a drummer to a singer, his amazing concert memories as a kid, his songwriting process, touring, his thoughts after watching the Woodstock 99 documentary, inspirational lead singers like Freddie Mercury, taking care of his legendary voice, and I even asked him for some marriage advice, and a whole lot more. I've interviewed his bandmate and drummer Mike Mangini on episode 35 of the Mistress Carrie podcast, and it was hilarious to hear James talk about his drummer and his Boston ways. I've met James a few times in the past, but this is my first time to sit down and actually have a conversation, and he did not disappoint. 
So allow me to introduce you to James Labrie from Dream Theater. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. So, Mistress Carrie. Good morning, James. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember when we met. I am a, like your drummer, a fellow and obnoxious Bostonian. Ah. And, uh... <laughs> Obnoxious. <laughs> Am I wrong? I like that. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I'll have to tell him that. He knows. I'm seeing, I'm seeing him in a few days. Oh, he, my God. You're the second member of Dream Theater that I've had on my show behind Mr. Mangini, who we're referencing. Okay. Wow. Okay. Was he obnoxious? Isn't he always? I've known him for <laughs> 25 oh years. God. Holy Jesus. That's the thing I love about him the most. It's yeah. it's a regional thing, right? Like Canadians have the reputation of being like really nice and sweet. Well, I got to correct you there, Mr. Kerry. Okay. This is what I think of Canadians. We're passive aggressive. I have heard that actually. Yeah. It's like the Southern version of bless your heart. It's kind of like that. <laughs> exactly. That's a good way to put it. Because you know what? It, we're real nice if you respect us. But the moment you don't look out, you'll see a transformation, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, for sure. And we're just the crazy all the time here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? But a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Like, Mike is hilarious. Like, he's a funny guy, and he's always trying to do, like, you know, like a a comedic-type antics while we're on the road. And, uh, yeah, he he kind of uh, entertains us. Let's just put it that way. I think yeah. he's like an untapped energy resource, too, because I feel like oh. if we oh could harness the power of Mangini behind his drums the way that they harness the wind with a windmill, you oh, could boy. probably power the PA for Dream Theater. Oh, PA? I was thinking the whole country. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. No, he's got endless energy. That's that's for damn sure. He has to be playing what he's doing each and every night. It's insane. You insane. said you're going to see him in a few days because you guys are doing a, a South American run. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be exciting. Uh, we're we're heading down uh, uh, Sao Paulo uh, on the 31st of August, and then September 2nd we're uh, doing the Rock and Reel 
which is huge. It's like a hundred thousand people. So I've heard it's great. insane. I've never it is been, insane. but I've yeah. talked to so many bands that have played it, and they just said, not only just a festival that size. But South American rock and metal fans are just so passionate. Right, right. Well, they are. Oh, they're un- unreal. It, it's, uh, you go out there, and I'm not kidding you. I'm not exaggerating. The, the, well, first of all, the energy level, they're just all over the place. But the volume of their voices in that, it, it's incredible. Uh, you're, you're just like turning around, you're looking at the other guys going, what? Are you guys hearing this? Uh, yeah. We're hearing this, but I got to tell you, here's, here's the thing. The largest crowd we ever played in front of, we did this festival in Poland. You probably, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the Woodstock. Yeah. And they do it once a year. And what it is, it's a, it's a food drive. It's a charity event. So people bring all dry goods to this, to this concert. We played in front of 750,000 people. And here's, here's, here's how we were able to put it into perspective. So we did that festival that day. The next day, we were in the Waken uh, Festival in Germany with 75,000 people. And we said, this is 10% of the crowd. And we're still playing in front of 75,000. It was mind-boggling. It, as it, far as the eye could see, the people were going down. The yeah. only experience I have with something like that is that I was at Woodstock 94 and 99. And right. the crowds weren't okay. that big, but they were so massive and expansive that you just couldn't see where it ended. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you're saying. Hey, I just watched the documentary on the 99. Yeah. You were there? I was there, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Holy shit, you survived that? Here's the Holy. thing, though. I went to 94, like, okay. backpacking in a tent kind of deal, right? The mud, okay. like, all of that stuff. And yep. I'm a pretty prepared person. Okay. Yep. And so when 99 came around, we went with like the people from the radio station. We rented an RV, paid mm-hmm. the money to stay in the RV park, and right. we brought in all our own food and water. We had a, just uh, like you guys with the tour bus, we had a, a right. full tank of water. We had a generator. So we right. took showers. We had air conditioning. Oh, yeah. We had food. And so well, for me, God. and working at WAF at that time. Right. I was used to those crazy late 90s new metal crowds, right? Right. Being in the right. middle of a corn pit was not abnormal for me because we broke all those bands. Right. Okay. So I yeah. didn't feel afraid. I feel bad saying that I had a great time. Yeah. Then you see well, those yeah, documentaries. Because you had all the other amenities, right? Yeah. Whereas I'm looking at what everyone else pretty much was dealing with and yeah. that's just wrong you know dehydration no food yeah uh basically being in a cesspool oh yeah you know, for the for the most part and, and I, I was oh my god how did they get away with this and first of all who was organ? well whatever it's, yeah it's we know there. who was organizing for, it we, but- yeah we do we do know we do know and uh you know i was just i i didn't even know the depth of it until i watched that documentary i, I didn't either hearing about it yeah I remember when it was going down, they were talking about how this thing was just a, a train wreck, as they referred to it in the documentary. And But I didn't really know the depth of it until I watched the documentary. And then I was like, oh, my God, I think I would have been out of there because I, lo- I love festivals growing up, too. But I think I, I would have been out of there second day or something like that going, Jesus, I, I, I just need to clean up and freaking eat and, and drink. Yeah. You know? 
I don't Woodstock know. ninety four. It it was it's yeah. kind of an interesting life lesson, right? That yeah. ninety four everybody got wet early. Yeah, everybody yeah. got muddy and yeah. everybody suffered together and it created yeah. this brotherhood and camaraderie <laughs> yeah. Yeah. where everyone was just cool with it. Nobody was yeah. stealing from each other. Everybody was just yeah. cool. Yeah, we're all in this together for sure. Yeah, yeah. and ninety nine yeah. had, you know, the heat the lack of water, all of that. And it just turned oh, yeah. into rage. Oh, sure. Just sure diametrically opposed. Yeah. I went to both. Yes. 94 to me is still the best concert I ever saw. Wow. Like to That's... finish up, like the rain stopped just in time for Peter Gabriel on a Sunday night. Wow. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. seeing all those bands, nine inch oh, nails, throwing themselves in the mud. Like yeah. all those iconic moments, Green Day with yeah. the sod. Like, yeah, 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 right. it was such an unbelievable show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, aside from, from everything else going on. But, you know, like you're saying, though, you, you could accept that that end of it in 94. Yeah. It, it was nothing like. No, uh, it was Mother Nature. To, to they couldn't do anything yeah. about the rain. Exactly. They couldn't shelter us from sure. it. Yeah. Speaking right. of that, what yeah. was the best show you ever went to as a fan? A queen. Really? Queen. Yeah, I, I so I saw Queen. It was eighty two, uh, and it was a place called the CNE Grandstand in Toronto. It doesn't exist anymore; it's gone. But it was a stadium, so there was a there was about um, I think it held forty or fifty thousand people, and I just remember being out in, in the crowd and 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 Queen coming on, and it was just mind boggling. Like they were just so incredible such high energy and what was really cool at the end of the show they they you know they laugh they wave and and they get in the cars and and the whole stadium can see the motorcade pulling away and we're thinking okay you know and, and everybody's just standing there still screaming and they actually turned around they came back came on stage and they played another half hour <laughs> yeah yeah it was amazing but that that's probably my fondest memory of, of going to see a show and uh yeah and then the other <laughs> the other uh part that i still remember seeing that an aerosmith show in toronto and um let's just put it this way i don't even think the guys in the band knew that they were there <laughs> I, I just i just remember being out in the crowd going what the hell is going on here they didn't call them the toxic twins for nothing oh my god they were just yeah they were just elsewhere hey great you know i mean steve steven tyler hey i think he's incredibly talented and great vocalist and you know he's proven himself over and over again but uh those days man wow i can't even they probably just woke up and said yeah whatever just point me to the stage let's go yeah you know yeah, for sure. And Queen's yeah. getting ready to come out with a song featuring Freddie Mercury that they had in the archives. Oh my God. I didn't hear about this. Yeah, it's no way. It's off of the um it was a leftover track from I think the Made in Heaven? The Mi- Miracle. Oh, wow. And Going back there. Yeah, and they, they had it and they didn't think they could do anything with it. They kind of said it was lost for a while. And it's okay. supposed to come out in September and wow. like an an unheard Freddie Mercury Queen song. That's amazing. Like what? That'd be incredible. And it yeah, is kind yeah. of amazing. It, it shows you the way technology's changed. Sure. That you know that thing's probably recorded on two inch tape. Oh jeez. And it took well, technology to catch up to be able to have them be able to do something yeah. with it. 
Yeah. As long as they like it, as long as they looked after that tape and it didn't oxidize or whatever, you know, that, that time tends to, to put down on it. But yeah, I mean, wow. I, I can't wait to hear this. Yeah, yeah. me too. I mean, it's just a, I mean, it still blows my mind when I'm, when I'm listening to innuendo or when I'm listening to, like I said, made in heaven and you knew you, you, you knew then that something was going on, but no, nobody was saying anything. But then when you hear those albums and you find out that he was in fact sick and he sang the way he did, I know what the hell was going on there. I remember reading one time where he was, uh, he was in the studio and this was when he was, getting near the end and they were doing the, the made in heaven stuff and and uh and that he, he he went in and i guess he was feeling really kind of not good and uh he he sucked back a, a thing of vodka did a shot of vodka and then he sang Whoa. and he just knocked it out of the so i'm thinking how the hell would you even you know at that stage be thinking okay i'll just you know knock back a vodka here and i'm ready to go but supposedly he was good for that he could do that. He could just come in and uh, have a little shot of vodka and sing like an angel. It was unreal. The song's yeah. called Face It Alone, sure. by the way. That's that's the name of the upcoming new Queen song. Well, what's it called? Face It Alone. Face It Alone. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to mark that. You named two of these prolific, amazing rock and roll lead singers when you talk about yeah. like the best shows you've ever been to. Yeah, sure. And... You're known for your vocal ability, right? Like you're talking about Freddie Mercury knocking back mm -hmm. a shot of vodka and being able to sing. Like, <laughs> But you started as a drummer. There are a lot of singers that started yes. behind the drums. Yes. And then yeah, what, smartened up and said, I can't, that's working too hard? Uh, I knew that I could only take it so far. Yeah, I, I guess you could say that. That's a good way to put it is that I, I I said, you know, I know I realize I have way more talent and ability and capability in my singing, even at a younger age uh, than I do in my drumming. I mean, I was a solid drummer. I mean, when, when I was in a band, we were doing stuff like uh, Zeppelin and John Bonham to me is one of the greatest drummers out there ever. Now, was I doing them justice? I was probably doing them okay. You know, I, w I wouldn't say that I was doing like Moby Dick every night. There's no freaking way. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, yeah, I just knew that what I was taking from this, and I remember my, my father saying to me, he goes, you know, it's great that you're playing the drums, even if you don't think that you're going to take it all the way. He said, the rhythmic sense that you're going to gain from this is immeasurable. And he said, so do it as long as you can or as long as you want but take from it everything you can and then look at i go into a band like dream theater yeah know, we've worked with arguably like yeah, yeah and the best right? drummers in the world right right exactly so um yeah i just you know it, it it's something that i i'm glad that i fell into i started playing drums when i was five and then I quit around 17. I started putting the drums down. Um, my, and my son plays and, and he gets behind the drums and he, he's a great drummer. And one day he asked me to get back there. Okay. So you have to think of this, Mr. Scary. I, I was, I hadn't picked up a drum stick probably in, I don't know, probably at that point, 20 years. And, and he says, yeah, just get back. And I, and I thought I was going to get back there and and just start going i was horrible <laughs> and he said to me he said dad get off get off the throne, off that man. throne. he <laughs> says are you kidding i said i'm my 
I'm, I'm blown away here. I can't believe how bad I am right now. He goes, well, maybe if you sat down for a month, you know, it would all come back. And I said, I'm sure a lot of it would, but I'm not willing to do that. So when did you no realize way. you could sing? I started singing when, um, seriously, uh, I'd be walking around the house. I remember my mom and dad telling me at around four or five, I was always, they'd always have a radio going. And I'd always just stand there. They had this big radio in the, in the kitchen. And I'd just stand there and I'd sing along with, with songs. And then when I was in school, elementary school, uh, we had a music teacher. And, and she, I still remember her name, Miss Montgrain. And she uh, actually approached my, my parents and said, you know, I, I have the students together and we do like this choir thing. But, and you know, my first name is Kevin. Right. Um, and, and they, she just said, you know, Kevin has a, a beautiful voice. We should take this, cultivate it and see where we can go with it. And she started to put me in contests, um, singing. And then at that point I just kept going. Um, and then at 10 years old, I formed my first rock band, but I was playing drums. So I was the drummer and lead vocalist. And I just kept going from there and just started listening to all my, all my heroes, like one of them being, you know, like we just said, Freddie Mercury, and then Steve Perry, uh, Lou Graham from from Foreigner. Um, I even loved uh, Rod Stewart uh, because I, I thought he had this unique, gravelly, but high voice. Um, and and then, yeah, it goes on. Steve, Steve and uh, Tyler and um, I, uh, Rob Halford, I was listening to a lot. And um, so all these guys, I'd always kind of gravitate towards singers that i thought were they had created their own sound and and that to me was very very important and and actually getting back to my father again because my father sang in barbershop quartet and all this stuff and and he said the same thing he said you know whatever you do he says i'm listening to you sing because i'd always go up into our upstairs bathroom because it was big and it had that big cavernous kind of uh sonics to it i sound good and, in the bathroom when i sing in there well there you go see <laughs> That that so if you ever record an album, do it from the bathroom. It's never gonna you'll happen. You'll be great. You'll be great. But anyway, so that you know, and he just said, "I hear what you're doing, and I hear how you how you sing to these other singers and that. It sounds great, but just create your own sound." And I said, "Yeah, absolutely. That that is key." Did you always journal? When did the writing start? Well, I was writing when I was in bands when I was like fourteen, fifteen. So you know, I'd start getting into lyrics and writing lyrics and. And then just riffs, but I didn't play guitar, so uh, you know I'd be like, tung, 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 tung. actually, a lot of the stuff that I'll that I'll write, even in my solo albums, that's that's how I communicate it to uh, the guitar player or keyboard player, whoever I'm working with at the time. Just even on this last uh, solo album, "Beautiful Shade of Gray," that I just released, uh, that that's what I was doing with Paul Paul Logue, my writing partner. I would just send him either melodies be just singing something off the top of my head and i go i got this i think it sounds really cool can you write something around it and then he come back and then we keep building it from there or i just send him actual riffs and just me going dan, 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 you know whatever and it, it works so yeah i interview a lot of guitar players and a lot of songwriters and everybody kind of has that different process right that Right. Some people write the lyric first mm. and they get these little phrases and they keep them like journaled or they you oh, know, yeah, type I do them that, in their phone. For sure. 
Yeah. And then there's the 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 riff singing people that are you know mm-hmm. are using that phone as a way to kind mm-hmm. of document yeah. these ideas. Yeah. But uh, my process has always been uh Carrie, it's always been that I go uh first the melody, I create the melody and then I create the lyric. Because I find that the melody you you have your your syllables. So everything is it's, it's kind of set in stone so you know exactly where you want to go and then the words kind of present themselves how do you decide an idea that you get a melody idea in your head how do you decide this is dream theater or this is going to go on my solo record it's usually something that i've come across that uh i found very uh poignant you know and uh, or something that that is inspiring um it could be as easy as uh me watching a movie and then saying, oh, my God, you know, maybe I'm going to go back from that and I'm going to write down certain things from that movie that have affected me or uh, reading a book or just, you know, a lot of it comes from um, the social aspects of our world. Just watching, uh, analyzing, observing, um, even being around friends in that or in a in a public place where you hear or you see people, how they interact, or you hear a certain couple, like we were just saying there a little bit earlier, I'll hear a phrase, somebody will say something, but it's the way that they worded it, and I'll go, oh, wait a minute, that's interesting, you know? I could say the same thing, but I wouldn't have used those words to describe it, and then I'll write it down. So it, it there's several different, uh, I guess, fields that I pull from that really create the, uh, the words. Yeah, I'm fascinated by the the concept of songwriting because mm. you're creating something from nothing, right? And That's you're, the magic of music. Yeah, but it comes from yeah. But you're doing it, yeah. having been exposed to mm. thousands of examples of other people having already done it, and finding yeah. a way to make it original and different. Yeah, I, I don't understand yeah. it because I can't do it. Right, but right. being surrounded by people that can do it, I'm so curious about how the craft works. Right. Well, it, it you know what I, I it, to a certain extent, it, it's it's almost beyond explanation. You know, it's inexplicable. Like that, you can't. You kind of uh, you just arrive to me, and it, it's funny because Paul and I were talking about this. Paul Logan and I were talking about this. Once we had created all the all the songs, and I said, "You ever think about how this materializes? You know, it's it's something that you've felt or you heard inside, or uh, it comes from an emotion. It could be as simple as you having um, had a conversation with someone and biting your tongue during the conversation. Going, you know, I know differently, but I don't want to do this because I'll embarrass them or insult them." That's also uh, a skill uh, set I don't have. <laughs> well, see, see, but, okay. So, but then again, but let's put it that way. Let's put it from that angle. How about you voicing your opinion could also create a song about someone having all the confidence in the world and being able to forge through any adversarial moments because of who you are, because you're like that. Yeah. That creates a story too that you could be told, you know? That confidence gets you further in life. Well, look what you do, right? 
I mean, not everybody can do that, can sit back where you are, have conversations, keep everything interesting and intriguing and and be uh, doing something that you love to do, which also stems from what music. Yeah, it's it's, it, it, you know, is I think the that there's so many stories to be told because we all there's so many similarities about us, but there's also that individuality that makes us each and every one of us so unique. Leslie Mandoki told me that he thinks that all the songs exist already Mm. and that you guys are the vessels of them, that they come through you. I thought that was a really interesting. I want to meet the composers then, the real composers. (laughs) Right. If I'm only a vessel, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) That just took all the wind out of my sails. I'm sorry. What the hell? Well, you got to be a very special vessel. I'm closing off this one here, right here. This receptacle's gone. (laughs) Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting theory. Yeah. That that is interesting. And it just tells you that, okay, so so we're. There is a, a multi-dimension then. If you're to believe something like that, that means that there's something beyond our comprehension that exists. Yeah. Which I do believe to a certain degree because no one has the definitive answer as to what awaits. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just think it's uh, it's beyond our our thought processing at this particular moment in time. Yeah. I always ask songwriters this question. Uh, this is a craft question. It's a construction mm. question. Yeah. Give me an example from any artist, any genre that that is inconsequential of a song that you think is so perfectly crafted that you wish you wrote it. And then tell me why. Like an example of perfect songwriting. Mm. Hotel California. Mm. Good one. I, I think, you know, when... Yeah, everybody can say, ad nauseum, man, I've heard that song one billion times. Okay, sure you have. But try and just, and this happened to me, um, I think, I don't know, a little while ago. And I it happened to come on and play. Uh, and I remember just really sinking into this song. And first of all, the lyrics are great. The whole storyline behind that. Don Henley, what a freaking voice. There's another guy. Singing drummer, yep. Right. And phenomenal voice, just beautiful tone, like gorgeous, gorgeous tone. And then the guitar solo. I I still think to this, okay, so the melodies, the harmonies that are going on, uh, just the the whole arrangement, the song arrangement, it's just beautiful, just beautifully crafted. But then to top it all off is the guitar solo. And it's one of the greatest guitar solos. If you listen to that guitar solo from beginning to end and just where he brings it, how it it just continues to breathe and grow. It's so dynamic, so moving, so emotional. So to me, right off the top of my head, I'm going to say that song touches on every level of brilliance. It really is a brilliant song. Um, I'm going to selfishly ask you a couple questions for okay. some advice from you. Uh, okay. Well, Hey, I can't, I can't guarantee what's going to happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. First set of advice. You can obviously tell just by hearing my voice that I'm not a singer, That's but, not true. but That's I not do true. use my voice for my work. So that's really the only similarity that I have with what you do is that my voice is my job. Okay. So 
How do you take care of your voice? What are you doing to make sure that you're able to play show after show, tour after tour, go into the studio when you've got a a limited amount of time to record these songs Mm -hmm. and make sure that you're not overtaxing your voice and you're taking care of it. And I know that you've had some issues in the past, like the food poisoning thing, like all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I ruptured my voice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No no, no fun. No fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Carrie, uh, do you mind if I just say Carrie or yeah, Mistress no. Carrie? Yeah, no, no, you're fine. I love that though, Mistress Carrie. <laughs> the listeners named me that. Mm, is that right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, here here's where I come from. Um, I make damn sure while I'm on on tour, um, that I abstain from uh, alcohol, so I don't have anything to do with uh, with drink, and I eat a lot of fruit. And vegetables, every night after the show, I'll sit down and eat uh, cauliflower, broccoli, fennel, and hummus. And uh, I drink copious amounts of water while I'm on tour. Um, everybody, everybody in the band or crew will attest to that. They can't believe how much water I drink, but I think it's essential. It keeps everything lubricated and um, and even even your organs, so to speak everything that exists. Uh, so, uh, I, I do that. I exercise. Um, I'm actually working right now with a personal trainer and, um, just to keep myself in shape. And, um, I, um, uh, I think the other thing is, is that even though, um, you know, I've been around a lot of other singers and I don't smoke for that uh, I do have the odd cigar, believe it or not, which is kind of like, a, I don't know, contradictory, but, um, you got to live your that. life too. Pardon me. You got to live your life too. Well, you do. Right. And so when I'm home, I enjoy red wine. I enjoy, uh, scotch. Um, and, you know, like I said, the odd, the odd cigar here and there. But, um, I think too, is that when I'm, uh, uh so I have this thing, uh, I, I studied with, uh, Jamie Vendera for a bit and he has this thing called the, the dock box. And it's this thing that you put water in. Um, it, it has lines from one to 10 for the water volume. I don't think you'd ever go to 10 because it would just be too much. But I go around number five. I put the water. And it's actually this, uh, you blow into it and it creates this like a bubbling kind of thing that goes on. And what it does is it it massages your vocal cords and it loosens them up and it brings them online. And there's been people that have had uh, polyps. I've never, knock on wood, I've never had polyps or nodes or anything like, which is kind of, amazing because of all the singing that i've done and the constant touring that i've done and you know doing so many damn shows and these shows are two and three hours long that we're doing um so this thing called doc box and it actually really brings me to uh, a point where I, I come online and and i warm up very very slowly before every show and then i do a cool down after every show and this ensures that my voice uh does not become fatigued now if i get sick while i'm on the road uh well then that's a whole other story that's like uh that's a battle to go on stage and still be able to give everything that i got but knowing that it's not going to be anywhere near where i'd like to be 
but you still got to go out there and do it because rock and roll freaking let's go um but all those things add up so you know plenty of rest too oh my god i i get a lot i make sure that i'm going to at least get eight hours sleep a night um and if that means staying in bed for 10 hours in order to feel like i got eight hours then i'm going to do so um and like i said like just getting up and exercising getting on the treadmill lifting weights uh doing stuff like that 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 really uh keeps everything even keel um and that's about it warming up properly cooling down properly and just really looking at this going you know i only have these chords i'm not a guitar player i can't change my guitar strings or i'm not a drummer i can't get new skins or new drumsticks um so it's just something that and it's it's funny though carrie because uh i've been on the road where we've had you know bands opening up for us and singers and and um some of them i'll see them and they're just like throwing it to the wind <laughs> partying and then two weeks into the tour they come to me like james man my voice is like it's really kind of screwed up and i'm having difficulty i'm like dude i've been watching you for like freaking two weeks you you're like a party animal and you're smoking and then you got to go on stage and sing every night what do you think is going to happen that's your instrument you know it's like a guitar player taking a fucking hammer to his <laughs> to his guitar is that does that make sense to you it's just, just an, I'll tell you one guy that we just, we were out touring with. And I think this guy's, I, he blew my mind, Carrie, was uh, Devin Townsend. Oh, you know really? Devin? Yeah. Oh, my God. So this guy's so talented. Like he, he's just, uh, he's a fellow Canuck, too, by the way. He's out in Vancouver. Um, but uh, he would go on, like, you know, and he plays guitar and that, and he would sing. And the guy's warm up process <laughs> first of all we we know each other and he came out and he goes james man hey man you sound great man i'm watching you side stage awesome and i'm going <laughs> i said devin you're sounding freaking amazing and uh i said how do you get away with warming up like like you do and it's really crazy carrie so like he'll, he'll like oh and he's like oh and doing all that which is that makes sense okay you do that that makes sense but at the end he's like and he does these fucking screams and and he's just screaming his head. I'm like, and I remember the first day I heard that. I was like, what are you, what are you doing? He's like (laughs) laughing. He looks over at me. I go, he goes, I didn't think you'd like that. I go, well, I don't get it. It doesn't, it doesn't add up. And he's like, it does for me. It's worked for me for forever. And I go, well, then if it works, don't, you know, don't fix it. Yeah. And and he's able to go out on stage and he sounds freaking amazing nice guy too really really cool down-to-earth guy but but yeah i'd never heard anything like that before like even if um because he even said the same thing he goes you know what it's actually nice to to be around a vocalist like yourself that i hear warms up every night cools down looks after himself he goes i don't hear that most of the other bands that i'm around they're just like they go on stage and and they wonder why they're having difficulty i go on there you go. And if you want to but, have longevity uh, yeah. and, and career, you've got to you've got to get into those good habits exactly, early. Exactly, exactly. You know, but um, yeah. So I mean, those are the that that's pretty much what I do. You're you're one of the only other people I can ask this question to, uh, okay. because it's such an enigma question. So I asked this question mm. of Alice Cooper. No, I can't guarantee I'll be able to answer. It. <laughs> I you're asked this question of here. Alice Cooper, and I asked it of Dee Snyder. 
because you guys have some of the longest marriages in rock and roll. Mm. And I'm a newlywed. I got married in the height of COVID. So, yeah. Oh, well, congrats. Thank you. Wow. Um, Okay. So, two-part question. One, is it harder to keep a marriage or a band together? And two, give me some marriage advice because you've been married a long time. Yeah, I will have been married 33 years in September. Wow. Yeah, my high school sweetheart. Yeah. Holy jumping Joe. Okay. So <laughs> that was there the most you go. Canadian There's thing your you've advice, said Carrie. all day. <laughs> Everybody's out there. What the hell did he just say? Holy okay. jumping Joe. Holy jumping Joe, eh? There's their Canadian for you. But um I I would say, you know, and yeah, you're right about Alice Cooper and, and Dee Snyder. Two freaking great guys, two very intelligent. Yeah. Um, you know. Oh my God. Um, but to put it, put it this way. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it would come down to the individuals as far as keeping a marriage together. Um, you know, it, it's all about compromise. It's all about understanding. It's all about definitely 100% first and foremost, respect. You have to respect one another and appreciate one another. And yeah, you're going to go through your lows, your highs and your, you know, the, Everyone has these these moments of, uh, well, even consternation. I can think of where you're like, "What the hell's going on here?" You know. But uh, I I would say that that those points are are the most important. Is that you you have to be willing to compromise. You have to be willing to be extremely understanding, respectful, compassionate, and um, uh, you know, caring, considerate. Um, as far as a band goes, mm, I th- <laughs> it, once again, it does. It comes down to the individuals, their personalities. Uh, and I've said this several times, Carrie, in, in, in a lot of interviews. I've said, you know, you, you got to think about when you are married, you're, that's one person that you're, you're dealing with and that you, you want to get to know intimately. And through the years, you do. I would hope you do. And then, uh, but I said with, with band members, however many band members you have that's how many people you have to figure out and you have to come to an understanding because we all have our idiosyncrasies we all have our our good points and our bad points and (laughs) you know and and it's it's a little bit of a whirlwind and i think that's why a lot of bands uh don't stand the test of time is because you know we're all coming from a different place and at times you have some huge freaking head uh, banging going on and it's not it's not behind the sense of a song it's it's just these personality conflicts and and then you're also in a creative environment right so that in itself is a very sensitive situation to be in and um you have to be you have to be respectful and at at times doesn't and very diplomatic because if you don't like something that somebody's presenting you don't just go, oh, dude, that sucks. No, cause because it's coming from their soul. Insulting. Yeah, exactly. So you have to be, no, you know what? I'm not vibing or I'm not hearing it. I don't feel it. I'm sorry. You know, can we try another angle or can we approach that a little differently? Let's kind of, you know, twist and bend it or whatever to get around it because yeah, it's just difficult. So I would, I would definitely say that, uh, band, um, you know, I think with marriage, 
you you I would hope that you're you're worried about the repercussions if you don't smarten up. <laughs> um, with with band, yeah, there are repercussions, but at at the end of the day, it's like if you can't really stand being around that person, you do have the option to go, right? Yeah. So yeah, so there's my advice. You can't there. kill them, so you got to figure it out. You can come damn close to that though. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> but I uh, no, it's all it's all good. Well, it's yeah. obviously working for you guys. Congratulations on yeah. the Grammy. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, that's what the hell happened there, right? I heard that they Easy. show up in a box. Did they mail them to you? Yeah, they did actually. Yeah, I have it. I I have it upstairs. Um yeah, it's uh it's it's really well. Uh, package though i bet Holy it smokes. is yeah i think you could drop that off the empire state building and you still open it up yeah that's good all right just set it up uh yeah it takes a while it's like okay get out the cable cutters you know see i, I know. always thought you but, left the ceremony with the grammy but you don't no no the, the, you you have to wait um i i think it was uh three months after the the ceremony that i received mine and then everybody started getting it the same week because we were all like, "Hey, did you get yours? Yeah, I got mine." Or, no, I haven't got mine yet. But was it? It was within days we all had ours. Yeah. And so, then you have to yeah. decide where to put it. Well, that and we're still deciding that. <laughs> it's just like you know, she goes, "Well, what do you want? You want people to open a door and bang it right in their face?" I said, well, "We could do that. We could hang it from the ceiling." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I yeah, still deciding. I I don't know, you know, because. It, it's such a, a monumental uh, recognition that I don't want to just, okay, just put it over there in the, you know, that nice little corner piece. We put have. it on the back throw of the it, toilet. Throw it in there. <laughs> well, nobody's going to see it unless they're going for something, you know, but yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. You I'll gotta, send you a pic when we have it set up properly. That's what I, I was going to say. Like, it might be six months. You could you know? get the Dream Theater lighting guy to, like, come up with a lighting <laughs> rig go. for it. Yeah, Steve Baird. We'll get him in here. Come on, Steve. <laughs> Make it happen. Make Lasers, it yeah. LED oh screens my. behind it. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? It would be amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like a museum. Yeah, Well, sure. you got the South American dates with Dream Theater, mm -hmm. and then, obviously, um, beautiful shade of gray is out now. And mm -hmm. so people can hear that side of you as well with the right. solo record too. So you're a busy guy. I am. I am busy and I'm already working on, on new songs with the, with the follow up to beautiful shade of gray. So we're working on that. And, uh, yeah. And, but I mean, you know, we're, we're taking our time. Like I said, there's no, you know, there's no, uh, pressure from the label. We need this out. So it'll be done when it's done. But yeah, you know, I, I think it's, it's important for anybody, uh, any artist or, or anybody in the world, you know, just to keep challenging yourself. Um, with Beautiful Shade of Grey, it was something completely different from what I'd ever done in my entire career, musically speaking. And, um, and, and I'm glad I did it because, you know, it had been kind of in the recesses of my mind thinking I, I want to just, do something that's acoustically based and, and uh, you know, just really let that be the forefront and, and it'll allow for a lot of breathing within the songs and, uh, and really allow me to, as a vocalist, to be able to show many other different sides to me. Well, a lot of songs get crafted on acoustic mm -hmm. and then they make exactly. them electric, but yeah. 
They don't always stay that way. That's right. And, you know, uh, the example I always use when we were uh, first approaching this album and then during the writing, is I said, think Zeppelin. You could take any Zeppelin song and play it acoustically and still appreciate its beauty and its depth, its depth. And I said, but then you could play it electric and go, oh, my God. This is, you know, it's so powerful. So th- that was kind of our, our uh, go-to and uh, our, uh, our blueprint, so to speak. But yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's good to keep challenging. And I think that's the only way that we grow is that, we, you know, we we're willing to, uh, to go into uncharted waters. You know, I heard someone say that it's how you test if a song is really good is that if you can strip it down to acoustic and it's still a good mm. song. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. If, if you need all of this, uh, this layering going on and, 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 uh, you know, I don't know, something to dissuade from the fact that it sucks, <laughs> you know, I don't know. And there's a lot of examples of that out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that you're right. It, if it, comes down to that you could be just sitting out in your backyard strumming your guitar and then somebody goes the hell is that that's so cool you know but yeah for sure well thank you so much for hanging out with me today it was nice to see you i loved it thank you carrie it's uh it's been nice to be able to reconnect with everybody after all the craziness after the last couple of years you know what what a freaking trip that was we've all been put through the ringer and it's nice to be able to like go to shows yeah and how about like, just being around people yeah but, you know? but it was what i missed the most i think i think it hit rock fans a, a lot more than it hit a lot of other music fans is that mm. we miss that communal experience of the freaks getting together <laughs> to be able i call it the land of misfit toys that we don't make <laughs> sense with anyone else but us isn't that humanity yeah <laughs> <laughs> Right. But you're right. No, it feels great. And, and, and I mention that every night when I'm on stage is I say, you know, Hey, we're here to celebrate two things. And that is, yes, it's, we're celebrating music and the magic of music once again. And we're together. And I said, but the human spirit, I said, look how resilient we are. We're, we're here. Yes. A lot of tragedy. We've, we've experienced a lot of tragedy, but at the same time, here we are. We're together once again, and we're moving forward. And that's really what matters here tonight. And and everyone responds like you can just see it. Oh, yeah. Just, we're just uh, happy to be able to, yeah, you know, leave everything else at the door and just all be in that moment with the music mm-hmm. together. And that's what it's all about for all of us. It is. That's why we love what we do. Yes, indeed. Agreed. For sure. Well, thank you so much. It was nice to see you. Same here. And happy and, anniversary uh, if I don't see you before then. Oh, well, thank you. You're and welcome. congrats on the marriage. Thank you. Yeah. What was the actual date? Uh, August 29th. So my anniversary is coming up too. Two whole years. I got a lot of catching up to you guys. Way to go. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. All you want is it for, for it to be right and, uh, and, and just to feel that uh, undeniable connection, right? Yeah. Yep. Our biggest exactly. argument is music because he's a country music fan and that hurts my oh. soul. Yeah. Oh boy. I don't get it, man. I don't get it, but I. You know what you should do is you should <laughs> freak him out one, one morning. Okay. So just come downstairs, have the cowboy boots on and <laughs> cowboy hat. You're literally tapping <laughs> You're gonna his tell brain him this right now. Go, you tell James the next time you see that. 
Fuck off. <laughs> Are you kidding? He'd probably love it. Piece of straw in my teeth. Daisy Dukes on. Oh, my God. Yeah. See, you know, yeah, you don't know where that'll go. I know. This right? interview just took go. a totally different turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, cool. I'll see you later. Thank you okay, so much. Okay, take care. Okay, bye-bye. Have bye a bye. good one. Bye. You too. Bye. There he is, the one and only James Labrie from Dream Theater. His latest solo album, Beautiful Shade of Grey, is available everywhere. And thank you, James, for the tips on taking care of this velvety voice that I have and also on the marriage advice. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit subscribe and follow the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, every weekday, you get the sit rep. The Situation Report runs down all of the day's headlines in rock, entertainment, music, and more. And it only takes five minutes. Check out the show notes of this episode to get details on Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets tour and to enter the Nick Mason Pantheon Podcast VIP contest. You'll find all of James Labrie's links there, all of Dream Theater's links, and all the Mistress Carrie links as well. And you'll find the corresponding playlist for this episode. Every full-length episode gets a corresponding playlist that's filled with my guest's music and all of the music we referenced in the interview. And there's also a link to episode 35 so you can check out the interview with Dream Theater drummer Mike Mangini. Join me every Tuesday night live on my official Facebook page for my streaming video show, Cocktails in the War Room. And you can always check out the Mistress Carrie radio show. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years' experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 